Okay, so last week, we started this series off and we looked at the message of being blessed in Christ, what it means to be blessed in Christ. And I would encourage you that if you missed it, please, you can catch up um, on it with, on, on YouTube or on our Facebook page. It's a message that I believe would encourage you, but also it is a reminder to us of how much God loves us and how much we are blessed in Christ. One of the challenges that we had or we challenged each other in our Tuesday um, study was that, you know, once now that we are blessed, how can we be a blessing to others? And I really want to encourage you. What ways can you be a blessing to others? In what ways have you been a blessing to other people? And what ways can you be a blessing to others, others as well? So make a note of that and let's act on it. Okay. Anyway, today, the message we're going to look at, the title of the message is Chosen and Adopted in Christ. Chosen and Adopted in Christ. And for me personally, this was a truth that totally transformed my life and how I live my Christian life. Some years ago, the Lord spoke to me about my identity in Christ Jesus. I was reading through the New Testament and I was making notes of everything that um, the, the Bible says about our identity in Christ. And believers... <laughs> It is mind-blowing. It is amazing what the Lord has done for us in Christ Jesus. And hopefully this series would help us to understand who we really are in Christ now that we are adopted children of God. So as Steph read from Ephesians 1, 1 to 6, I just want to just read um, from the ESV, the passage that I will be, the version I'll be using to preach. It says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the same who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Amen? So as I said, today we're looking at adoption. And for some of us, we have an idea of what adoption means. Okay? And adoption means, or the, the, the definition of it, it says that it is a legal process by which a child or a group of siblings who cannot be brought up within their birth family become full, permanent, and legal members of their new family. So that's, the, that's what adoption is. And it also says that the, adopted, um, the adopters become the child's legal parents with the same rights and responsibility as if the child was born to them. So the parents who adopted the children actually act as a full parent, like a legal um, child, uh, sorry, like a legal parent, you know, like the child was actually born to them biologically. They raise the child up, they care for the child, and that is what adoption is. But apparently, in the Roman Empire, adoption was a more serious process because of a few things. It was more serious, it, was, it had more things to it because of a few things. Firstly, it is said that a father had the absolute authority or power over his family as the head of the family or the head of the household. This was called the uh, patriarch potestas, meaning he had power over his children. He had power, and sometimes it goes as far, apparently, in the early days, that meant 
um, the power even for life or death. The power of life or death. So that is serious. And it is said that in the Roman Empire, a child never became of age, especially the male son, never became of age where they could leave their father's um, patriarch protesters. Meaning, as a father, you must be sure of what you are doing in order to say that you are giving your child up into adoption. Why? Because as the child leaves from your domain or your authority or control, they enter into the full authority or control of the other family. And it was a serious thing. The head of the family had absolute control, total power over the family. And as it was said, that the children or the male child, you never really got of age to say that you were leaving your father. So long as your father was alive, there was something about how strong or how binding it is for you to identify as being a part of that family or coming under that household. Therefore, it was a serious thing to say that you were adopting or you were taking someone from one family to another. Secondly, adoption wasn't only done to take a child or a young child in because of perhaps compassion reasons. Adoption included adults as well. And it was often, they had a, a reason behind it. Sometimes for political gain, and therefore they would adopt someone. Sometimes because of inheritance purposes, so they would adopt someone to keep the name of the family going. Sometimes because they want to marry into a wealthy family. So there was a reason behind it, and it wasn't only for compassion reasons or you were adopting a child because you wanted to have the child into your family. It was much broader than that. There were reasons behind it. And one commentator said this about the Roman form of adoption for which Paul was writing in that context. This was what the commentator said the consequences were. He said this one, the adopted person lost all rights in his old family and gained all rights of the full legitimate son in his new family. In this most literal sense that he gained everything in the most binding legal way, he got a new father. So in the most binding legal way, he entered into a family where he got a new father. He lost all the rights of his old life or his old family. And he gained everything in this new family. And Paul was writing saying that we have been adopted into God's family. <laughs> Can you now see what that means for us? We've lost everything of this world and we've gained everything of God and that which he gives to us. That's the reason why the Bible talks about us being inheritance or co-heirs with Christ, us having an inheritance or being co-heirs with Christ. That's the reason why scripture says that we're now adopted into God and, uh, God's family and now we're children of God, that we can inherit the kingdom of God as well and be where he is. It's deeper. Secondly, it says this about the Roman form of adoption. It says, it followed that the um, it followed that he became heir to the new father's estate. Even if other sons were afterwards born who were real blood relations, it did not affect his inheritance or his rights to inheritance. So that means even if and other children were born biologically, so long as you were adopted in the Roman Empire into a family, you had rights to be heir to that father's estate. And that was what Paul was saying. That's the reason why scripture talks about us being heirs, co-heirs with Christ. 
The thirdly, it says this, in law, the old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out. The old life of the adopted person was completely wiped out. For instance, legally, all debts were canceled. They were wiped out as if he had never been or it had never been. The adopted person was regarded as a new person entering into a new life with which the past had nothing to do with it. So if you adopted an, 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 an older person in the Roman Empire at that time, and they had debt, once everything was done, they were totally new. They were a new person. They were a new person. They did not owe anyone any debt. You cannot come and take that debt from them anymore. And Paul, having this in mind, says that we have been adopted into God's family. That's the reason why it talks about the fact that all the debts that we owe, the sins that we had committed, all cancelled and wiped out. That's the reason why scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that therefore if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. Why? Because in adoption, being adopted into the family of God, it wipes away everything of old. It wipes away every error. It wipes away every debt or sin that we owed. We now knew in Christ Jesus, it is powerful. It is a gracious thing to be an adopted child of God. It is an awesome thing to be an adopted child of God. Because all our past, everything done away with, the new is here now. And that is how God sees us. In Christ and I just want to encourage you today perhaps you've still seen yourself as this sinful person not to say that obviously when you commit sin you don't go and repent or you don't go in humility to the Lord but actually to see yourself as the Lord sees you <laughs> to see yourself to perceive yourself or to even perceive brothers and sisters in Christ as the Lord sees them as well because they are adopted children of God everything wiped away they are new in Christ. And that is what it means for us to be adopted. But I just want to expand on this a bit more, looking at the, um, the Roman notion of adoption and how that relates to us in Christ Jesus. So I want to talk about a few things now. Okay, firstly, what does it, what does it mean for us to be adopted as children of God? It means loads of things. It means loads of things. But I've just got a few points here that I want to talk about. One, it means you were chosen. You were chosen. The passage says that blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And church, a key aspect of adoption is that the adoptive parents are the ones who chooses the child. They are the ones who would say that this is the person I want to adopt. And here we're being told that God chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And I think for some of us, we think that we chose God. I decided to, uh, to, choose, to choose Jesus. But actually, the reality is he chose us <laughs> even before we knew it. I'll give you a personal testimony or an example uh, in relation to this. I remember when I was growing up, when I was young, my dad 
told me this, and I had no recollection of it. He told me this that when I was uh, when I was really younger, a prophetic word came um, in the church concerning my life that I would grow up and I'll be a pastor. Okay, I was not seeking to be a pastor. I was not seeking to like even to know the Lord. My dad was an elder in the church, but some way somehow, <laughs> some way somehow, at the age of fourteen, my uncle shared the gospel with me. And at that moment when he shared the gospel, I had been in church like all my life, but I did not understand the gospel. I've heard preachers, messages that my dad had shared and other people had shared, but it, I did not get it. But at that moment, I grasped something of what the gospel meant. And I gave my life to the Lord and I'm like, yes, Lord, I, I, I want to follow you. But who chose who? <laughs> did I choose? Did I choose him? Or did he choose me? Because that prophetic word came way before, way before I said that prayer, way before that. And it's important for us to know that the Lord chose us in him. Did you choose him or did he choose you? It's more comforting to know that the Lord chose you. Why? Because if he chose you, that means that he has a plan for you. If he chose you, that means that he has chosen to love you. If he chose you, that means that he desires to spend eternity with you. That's amazing news. That the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords has adopted us even before the foundation of the world. Why? Because he wanted us to spend eternity with him. He wanted us to be in a place where we can fellowship, where we can have his fullness and enjoy his presence. That's amazing. That is amazing. That is what we have in Christ Jesus. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He chose to adopt you as his. You belong to him. Be encouraged by that. So one, it means that you were chosen. Secondly, it means that you belong to the family of God. You belong to the family of God. Similar to the Roman adoption, where it is said that the father has absolute control over his family, it is important for us to know that God has absolute control and he's in charge of things and we belong to his family now it's important for us to see that if we are part of his family then we need to be aware of two key relationships being a part of god's family one is the vertical relationship and the other is the horizontal relationship the vertical relationship us and god our relationship with god and the horizontal is our relationship with brothers and sisters it's really important that we, we understand the importance of that. Being a part of God's family is that God is our father. He is our father. I know that for a lot of us or for some of us, when we want to pray, we say, Heavenly Father, and then you start praying. But do you truly believe? Is it just a title that you've given or because scripture says it? Or do you truly see God as your heavenly father? Do you truly perceive him as your heavenly father, as your father? Or is it just something that is just said? Then I know that for some people, they struggle with this concept of God being a father because perhaps they did not have a good relationship with their earthly fathers. And therefore, when they hear someone say heavenly father or if they feel uncomfortable calling God father because they associate or they have this correlation between what it means to be a father and the experience that they went through um, from their earthly parents.
But I just want to encourage you with this truth today that God is nothing like your earthly father. He really isn't. He's a loving, loving God. Let me read this passage to you so that it would help you understand a bit more about who God is. Who God is. 1 John 4, 7 to 8 says this. It says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Okay? Firstly, what does this say? It says, love is from God. Love is from God. Meaning, the concept of love and the origin or the source of it is from him. Everything in this world that we understand of love, <laughs> loving your neighbor, loving a stranger, showing compassion, all of that originated from him. He is the source of love. He's the source of true love, agape. He's the source of that unconditional love. It comes, it came from him, out of him. It goes on and it says that because God is love, he's nothing else, that's his nature. He is a God of love. Meaning that if you want to know him, meaning that there's no greater love than the love of God. There's no greater love than the love of our Heavenly Father. And I want to encourage someone by that today, that you should grasp that truth and know him as yourself. I look, know him for yourself. I look at my life and I see how loving God has been to me. He's been truly loving. He is a good, good father. We listen to that song, he's a good, good father. That's, that's who you are. And it's true. Because I look back and I, and I realize that some of the things that I had thought, the plans and things that I had put in place, thinking that this was what I wanted to do or this was what I wanted for my life, God surpassed that. He gave me far more, far more than I had planned. So these days, I, I, I just say, Lord, let your will be done. I don't know what I'm asking for. I think this is what I want. But actually, I know that you always give the best. So, <laughs> you know, let your will be done. And I want to encourage someone that he is that sort of God. He is a loving God. I'm not saying that he's not a God who disciplines. <laughs> because he disciplines in love. I'm not saying that he's not a God who um, executes justice. Because he's a God who judges as well. Out of love, he does all of these things. Nonetheless, he's a loving father. He really is. And I want to encourage you about that today. That you can go to him. He's a God who gives us that which we need. The Bible says that if you go to him and you ask him for bread, will he, like your earthly father, would he give you a serpent or, or would he give you something else, a snake or a scorpion? Would he give you something like that? If you ask him, would he give you stone? No. If we who are evil know how to give good gifts, how much more our Heavenly Father? That's how loving he is. And you've been called into a relationship with him. You've been adopted to have this relationship with him. You've not been adopted to have a relationship with Bruce. <laughs> I think for some people, they think that God has adopted them and now that they are believers, it's do's or don'ts, do's or don'ts. No. You've been called into a relationship. You've been adopted into a relationship to know the heart of the Father, to be a child of God. Be blessed by that truth today. Secondly, as I said, it means, that it means belonging to the family of God 
which also means our relationship with one another. It, it talks about our relationship with one another. Serious. When the Bible talks about brothers and sisters in Christ, I think that for some people, they have this concept of um, maybe it's because, oh, we are Christians, therefore we just say brothers and sisters. I know that for people who are from the African continent, sometimes, you know, when you are living in this country and you see someone or you go to an area where you see someone who is black or from Africa, you call that, hey, brother, you know, and I think sometimes people can have that concept thinking that that is what it means or hey sister you know but th that is not what it means what it truly means is that we because we have been adopted into God's family we're now siblings adopted children of God in its essence in its true essence you are a child of God in its true essence you are a brother or a sister in Christ that is what it means we've been called into a relationship with God and with one another as children of God. And church, one of the most important relationships must be between brothers and sisters in Christ. Why? Because they are the ones you're going to spend eternity with. <laughs> they are the ones you'll be in eternity with. It's one of the most important relationships. So therefore, get, get along, get on with your brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Because you would spend the whole of eternity with them. And it's really important that we grasp this truth. It's very important. It's an important relationship. The church is family. It's not just the place where we come and we sing and we do activities. No. It is where the family of God meets together. To fellowship and to worship God. The church is family. Therefore, there must be no place for division. There must be no place for racism or this idea that I belong but you don't belong or this idea that I am better than you. No, because in Christ Jesus, we were all adopted into God's family. It's really important for us to grasp that truth. In the family, we are all children with all the various shades and colors, with the various abilities and gifts, with the haves and have-nots all sharing in their identity in Christ Jesus as children of God. This is amazing. That means you can be a, a business guru, you know, making millions of pounds. And someone can be somewhere in some poor village somewhere in a hut. But so long as they are, believed, so long as they are a believer in Christ, so long as they have put their confidence in Christ, and you have put your confidence in Christ, both of you are adopted children of God, there's no difference. You cannot look at the person and look down on them <laughs> because they've got that status of, or that, 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 that name or that identity as a child of God. And you also bear the same as well. There is no difference. We've all been elevated to that status of being a child of God. We've all been elevated to being adopted into God's family making us children of God. And we need to grasp that truth. Because when you do understand that truth, that is where there is, it avoids division. It avoids this church where it seems like, you know, people think that they, this is a clique, you know, a group of people here, the other group of people there. No, we are family. The church must be a place of different shades, different colors, all ages, worshiping together. 
That is what the family of God looks like. And that is what heaven is going to look like. And you have been adopted into that family. We need to get along with one another because we are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is what it means as well. Belonging to God's family also means that we represent the family of God. It means we represent the family of God. One of the things that isn't commonly practiced in the modern family is the concept of honor. Sometimes we get a glimpse of it when um, perhaps someone achieves something great and they are honored. And then they call their parents to come um, with them to go and receive the award. And their parents feel proud of them. Why? Because that child belongs to their family. Sometimes we get the, the, the concept of it in our culture. But that's something that it's not, um, it's not often highlighted in our culture. But in some cultures, it is still something very strong in those cultures. But unfortunately, the concept of honor is often tarnished by the wrong form of honor that we hear about, such as honor killings and, and all of those negative things. But this idea of honor is really important. It is really important. And how you bring honor to the family. Church, as believers, we need to understand that we do not only belong to God's family, but we also represent God's family as adopted children of God. It's important. That's when, you know, we, we are called to be the light of the world. That's why Jesus said that let your light shine to others that they may see and give glory to your Father in heaven. Why? What's he talking about? He is talking about being someone who represents the kingdom to others. Being someone who reflects the image of God to others so that they may see what, what sort of kingdom you're part of, so that they may see this is the sort of character that your father really is. That they may see what family you belong to. When you understand this, that you are an adopted child of God and one who represents God's family, then you are careful in what you do. Have you heard of some people say that Christians are hypocrites? Why? Because their experience of Christianity or Christians that they have come across have been people who say one thing, but yet they do another thing. They've been people who misrepresent the kingdom of God and misrepresent the Father. Not to say that we don't slip sometimes or we don't sin sometimes, but, but this idea that sometimes people could just think of Christians as, sometimes they say Christians are hypocrites or Christians are, they're two-faced <laughs> or Christians say one thing and they do another thing. That's because that, that Christianity that they have been portrayed or they have, they have, they have received have been that which isn't in correlation with who God really is. And therefore, what they think of is the misrepresentation of God. And as believers, we need to be aware of how we represent the kingdom. Why? Because you are an adopted child of God. I remember when I was growing up in Ghana. In Ghana, I think this is still common. Sometimes when a child is misbehaving, they say, hey, what family do you come from? <laughs> They want to know your family so that they can go and report to your, your father or your mother. You know, because you are misrepresenting the family. You're supposed to be a child who is disciplined. Yet, the way that you're living your life, it's, you're, not, you're not representing the family properly. And therefore, they go and they tell, hey, do you know what your child was doing? <laughs> and as Christians, we need to be aware of this. 
Not to say that other believers will go and start reporting us to God, uh, but we need to be aware of the fact that we represent a kingdom. We represent a family. Just like the royal family and the children born to the royal family, they did not have a say in terms of being born to the family, but they have a duty, they have a responsibility in how they represent the family to others. In the way they look, the things they say, how they carry themselves out, out in public. And it's important. I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing on this that we shouldn't be like hypocrites, that we go out and we, we try to re represent something and then indoors we are something different. That's not what I'm saying. But we need to have this mindset that we are adopted children of God now. And therefore, there's a call for us to represent the kingdom. So I want to ask you this question. Do you bring honor to the name of the Lord out there? Is your identity in Christ hidden? Where your friends or your colleagues don't even know that you are a Christian? Is your Christian identity something you just put on as a badge? <laughs> Sometimes when you need to put it on, when you're coming to church, you put it on as a badge. And then when you just want to mingle in the world, you take it off. And no one knows that. That is not what we're meant to be like. That is a misunderstanding of what Christianity is. Being a Christian, as I said, is not about wearing a badge. Being a Christian is becoming someone who you are because of adoption in Christ Jesus. It's because of who you are. Therefore, you live the way you live. Does your life speak of things, of God's attribute? The way you live your life. Can people say that this person is such a loving person? This person is patient. I think for me, that's a, a, an area that I struggle with sometimes. I can be impatient with people. <laughs> can they say that this person has self-control? Can they talk about this person with godliness? Or do they see something totally different? That is nothing that represents the kingdom. It's important that we realize that we are adopted not only to sit in the palace or to sit in God's family, to receive all the blessings, to say that we're saved, but we're also adopted as people who represent God's kingdom. That's the reason why Paul talks about us being ambassadors for Christ Jesus. What does an ambassador do? An ambassador is one who represents a country, a nation in another country. We've been called to represent God's kingdom here on earth. And it's important for us to remember that we have been adopted into the family. And these are some of the things that we need to be aware of. Amen? The next thing is that we've been adopted. And what does it mean for us? It means restoration of self-worth. Restoration of self-worth. And I know that for a lot of people, um, this is an area that we have not struggled with. But for some people, even though they are believers in Christ, they have this deprecating view of themselves. And this is an area that they struggle with. Recently, I heard about this footballer, a famous footballer, known by lots of people, great goal scorer, talking about how he experienced this abuse um, when he was young, uh, physical abuse and mental abuse from his parents. And he said about how his mom said to him that, um, I, I wish I terminated you. How, <laughs> I wish I terminated you. How could a mom say that? And although he has all this success, although he has this fame, 
even when he was sharing that he was tearing up, he, I mean, it still affects him till now. And some people have been through some experiences, things have been said to them, that they have this low view of themselves, low self-worth. They have other people as well who find their self-worth in various things. Some find it in their job, some find it in their spouse, some in their wealth or in their knowledge and ability. But what happens if or when those things are taken from you? And for a lot of people, they lose who they really are because they're like, I can't, I don't know who I am without these things. But church, our true self-worth as an adopted child of God is in the fact that we are children of God. That is it. It doesn't get bigger than that. <laughs> it doesn't get bigger than that. That is where our true self-worth is. Because of our identity, our union with Christ Jesus, we're made children of God. That is the highest <laughs> um, status you can, you can have in this life and also in the life after. We are made children of God. How do you fancy being called a child of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? <laughs> yeah? how, how, do you, how do you fancy being called a child of the one who created everything, of the almighty God, the awesome one who sits in glory? How do you think about it? That is where our worth really is. That is where our worth is restored. So if you've been through these challenging things in life, perhaps you have a low view of yourself, that is not how God sees you. You are his child. You're elevated. He's brought you to that place where you're one with Christ. We're co-heirs in the kingdom of God. We're children of God. Peter goes on and he says that we are royal priesthoods. Firstly, he says you're, you're a royal <laughs> before you're a priesthood. That is what adoption has brought us into. And it is amazing. It is amazing. That is where your worth is restored. There are a few things that I want to talk about, but I think because of time, I won't talk about it. Maybe I'll talk about it some other time in some preach. It also means this. It also means victory over the domain of darkness. But because we're going to do the armor of God later, you know, in the year, I think I'll leave this for, for now and we'll talk about that then victory over the domain of darkness. That's what it means to be adopted into God's family. It says that from the domain we've been taken, transferred from the domain of darkness into his marvelous light. Victory over the domain of darkness. There's a victory that you have because you're an adopted child of God. But I'll talk more about that some other time. Finally, the final point I've made here is that what does adoption mean for us? It means that we're saved and we are secure. We are saved and we're secure, or we're safe and we're secured. One of the great benefits of adoption in the Roman Empire is that the adopted child cannot be disowned by their parents. So just like how in the Roman Empire, it said that the head of the family or the father has absolute control or power over his children, the father can decide to disown a child. He can decide to disown a child. You're not part of this family anymore. Leave. But if that father adopts a child into the family, the adopted child cannot be disowned. You cannot disown the adopted child. And Paul had this in mind as well when he was talking about us being adopted into God's family. This is significant and comforting for many of us who struggle with the thought of God's love or whether we're saved or not saved. 
Some people don't know whether they're safe or not. Some people think that they have to be doing some certain things in order to be loved by God or in order for them to be able to enter into the kingdom of God. And on one hand, there's a, a truth in that. But on the other, this is the truth that speaks over our lives as children of God, that we have been adopted into God's family. And that adoption is binding. Paul talks about this. What did Paul say? Paul said this, that we are adopted into God's family in Romans 8, 15 to 16. He said this, For we do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And I want to encourage you today. You are adopted into God's family. You belong to him. You belong to him. He has not saved you to disown you. <laughs> he has not adopted you to just let go of you. And I know that, you know, because we slip up sometimes, we do sin sometimes and all of that. It doesn't mean that once you sin, that's it. He's canceled it. And once you repent and that's it, he's put you back in. That is not it. God's love abounds to his children. He's a God of grace. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. And he has saved you in order that he may spend eternity with you. Jesus talks about how binding this love is or how binding this adoption is. And he said this in John 10, 27 to 29. This is not exactly talking about adoption, but you can get the concept here. This is what Jesus said. He said this, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hands. No one, we talked about the sheep earlier. Odelia talked about the sheep earlier. We belong to him. And he says, no one will snatch them out of my hands. And he goes further and he says this, my father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hands. Church, you are secured in the hands of God. You're secured in his hands. He has saved you. Firstly, he chose you. Then he adopted you. And he made that true and it's the salvation that you received in Christ Jesus. He will see it through. He will see it through. You are safe in his hands. However, it is also important to understand what this does not mean. It is important to understand what this does not mean. It doesn't mean that we are then prideful or perhaps saying that because we said some prayers, we have now trapped God into a decision where his hands are tied behind his back. Oh, I've said this prayer so I can go on and do anything that I want because I'm saved in God's hands. He's stuck with me now. <laughs> no, the Bible talks about this. God is never mocked. You cannot mock him. You cannot deceive him. He knows those who belong to Christ. He knows those who are found in Christ Jesus. Indeed, he chose them. He chose them. He adopted them. So it is important that we have this right concept of salvation. It is not something that we become prideful. I heard someone say one time that these days they don't even say sorry to God anymore or they don't even repent of anything anymore because it feels like um, um, they, 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 it's a lack of faith. So when they sin, they just let it go and they live their lives. 
because they think that it's a lack of faith or um, too, too confident in that which the Lord has done. And I'm thinking to myself, this is the wrong concept. This is the wrong idea. <laughs> We've been called to confess our sins. We've been called to, to come to the place of humility. And it's important for us to be in awe of that which Christ has done, not to be people of pride or arrogance thinking he's done this for me and therefore that's it. I'm fine. I'm secure. It's important for us to walk in the ways of the Lord. Church, we have received sonship because we are now one with Christ. We are in him and him in us. This is the gospel. This is the good news of Christianity that is in Christ Jesus, that we are no longer alienated from God. All this is yours. And our confidence is in Christ. Why? Because of that which Christ has done for us. He has paid the price for our sins. Therefore, if you would put your confidence in him, therefore, if you would put your faith in him, he will save you. Therefore, if you would put your confidence in him, if you put your faith in his atoning sacrifice, that he died for your sins, your sins would be forgiven. You can also be fully adopted into God's family. That is the gospel that we preach. So if that is you today, perhaps you're listening online. If that is you today, you do not know the Lord and you want to experience all of these things that we've talked about, perhaps drop us an email and someone will get in touch with you. But do put your confidence and your faith in the Lord today because he is a loving, loving father. There's so much more that I would want to say about what it means to be adopted into God's family. But because of time, I think it would be good for us to end here. So let's just bring it to a close here. Okay, let's just reflect on God's goodness. Let's reflect on his love. Let's reflect on the great things that he has done for us in Christ Jesus by adopting us to be part of his family. And let us just thank him right now where we are. Just bow your head right now and reflect on his goodness and just thank him. Let's pray. Father, we do want to thank you, Lord God, for all that you have done for us. We thank you for all that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you for this amazing love. We thank you for this truth of our true identity in you. We thank you for this blessing that you have saved us Lord, you have chosen us and you have saved us that we may spend eternity with you. Thank you, Lord God. We thank you for forgiveness of sin. We thank you for the authority we have in Christ Jesus because of this adoption. We thank you that, Lord, we are not in the domain of darkness anymore. We're now in the domain of light because of this adoption that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you, our Lord and our God, for the victory that we have over the domain of darkness because of that which you have done for us. And Father, we just want to give you glory, honor, and praise that none of these things we could do in our own strength. These are all the things that you have done because you are loving, loving Father. So we just pray, Lord, and we just thank you so much for everything you have done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.